Wow, what an intro there. Good job, Ed Diller, on that. This is Sal Interdonal here with the Black Knight Nation podcast. We're calling this old grads here, right? Steve and Jason, we're calling this old grads where uh, ex-Army football players get together and talk about their memories of their careers and also the current product of the Black Knights, which are heading to uh, the uh, Liberty Bowl on December 31st against West Virginia. Um, Pretty pumped up for that, right, Steve? I mean, after Sunday, it was pretty disappointing what was going on. And uh, now you look at um, a bowl game against West Virginia, a you know, a big 12 conference team. Hey, so yeah, that, that news is pretty awesome to hear the uh, that bowl game against West Virginia coming up. I know uh, I speak for a lot of the fans, a lot of the old players who, uh, who were just devastated when you heard that the uh, the bowl game was uh, was a no go after that that big win against Air Force. So it's always good to see the Army team win, and uh, always good to hear uh, the Army team's got another game on on the horizon. Yeah, no doubt. It was um, you know it, it's been a wild, crazy today. It was like calm after the storm, pretty much. There wasn't a lot of news going on. The only news really is that Army practiced, and uh, they were. Um, they were on the practice field this morning, and uh, they were getting ready for a bowl game, which, you know, maybe 48 hours ago, we didn't think it was going to happen. So. so, you got me? Yeah, I got you. You're good. All right, a little technical difficulties, but, yeah, no. I. Uh, That's all right. I was glad to see, um, you know, they got the Liberty Bowl one selfishly on – three hours away. Um, I've already secured my bowl game tickets, so I will be going for sure, uh, which will be good. Uh, I saw that the committee put out that there'll be about a quarter to a fifth of the stadium that they're filled, so twelve to 13,000 I think will be there. So uh, I'll be loud enough for about uh, probably five to 6,000 myself, so we'll uh, we'll be ready to, to get after it um, come uh, New Year's Eve. We'll have a Black Knight Nation member in attendance. You know, I was Steve. I looked up today. I'm like, ah, maybe I'll think about you know driving down from New Jersey to Memphis, right? I'll drive down and maybe see if I can cover the game. Well, that'll probably end up in divorce, first of all, you know. And then, um, uh, <laughs> I looked at the drive, 16 hours one way. I'm like, there's no way I could. There's no way I could do that. You know, there's just no way I could. Uh, I could. I could. I could. Uh, but but I mean we'll have we'll have you in attendance. That's great. I mean it seems like you know in these bowl games in the past there's been a lot of um there's been a lot of army fans in attendance at these bowl games, right? I mean it seems like it's going to be a pretty big deal. It's a pretty big deal to play in the postseason, and um you know it seems like these these bowl games are always well attended. So yeah, no, it'll be good. I think um <clears throat> I think a really good opponent. Uh, for us to really set us to the next stage. I mean, this team has played, you know, a couple top top tier teams, uh, at least whatever you want to call the the highly ranked coaches poll or whatever. Um, they had a big win against, I think, K State this year. Um, they got handed to by Iowa State, but it's still a good team that um, they can play. And I think they also played Texas close earlier in the year, um, which. Shows you that this this is a good WVU team. Um, their running backs averaging over 100 yards per game, so 
uh, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to come ready and get over this uh, emotional. You know, no one cares that we've had an emotional roller coaster the past week and a half. You know, it's it's time. Yep, the uh, the game is set. Uh, that's the next opponent, and it's time to get focused and uh, show the national stage. You know, just how good Army football is. Yeah, Jason. The last couple of days with Army getting all this uh, national media attention. Now, I mean, I don't know if it, it doesn't put pressure on the team, but it would be nice to see them show up. It'd be nice to see the team show up and have a good, you know, a good showing against uh, you know a Power Five school to prove that you know Black Knights belong amongst the top twenty-five in the nation, right? Absolutely, Sal. You know, as a player going into every game. You go on the same mentality no matter who you're playing, whether that's, you know, Sisters of the Poor or it's West Virginia or it's Alabama. Um, I know I know the team's excited about the last two wins, but uh, watching some of the conferences and some of the interviews from some of the players and coaches, it's it's on to the next game. It's reset, refocus your mind, and, and get ready for the next team. Yeah, I don't know. Coach Munkin, he's done some interviews in the past couple of days. He had a press conference today, and he also just finished his uh, radio show. And if you – uh, read into it a little bit. It seems like teams didn't want to play Army. You know, teams that Independence Bowl was trying to set maybe a Boise State or a team from the Pac-12, and they want nothing to do on a short notice to prepare against Army's offense. So, uh, you know, West Virginia stepped up to the plate yesterday. I mean, it wasn't too long after you heard, hey, Tennessee's out, that West Virginia's coach Neil Brown tweeted, hey, we're in, let's play ball. You know, so that's, that's a good sign that, that we don't know – West Virginia. Who knows who they're gonna, uh, who's gonna show up for Army? Who knows who's gonna show up for West Virginia with the COVIDs, the COVID deaths thing? You know, you just don't know. Are you gonna get Army's best or West Virginia's best? But you know, the, it's a it's a postseason bowl game, and you guys have experienced those games. I mean, that that 2010 game was something special and something that I'll always remember. So there it is, Steve. Oh, there it is. is. Where you know, now you brought that out? You just happen to have the hat in, actually, in your proximity, or? Uh, no, I actually, uh, actually, this is my traveling hat. So me and the me and the wife and the kids did a little traveling today. So. Uh, and Steve, I, know you, I know you got like three of those hats, man. I need one. I, uh, I wore mine out. It is. It has got ten years on it, man. This is this is this has got some uh, some character on it now. Now that's the hat that they handed out to you when you won the bowl, or no? Yeah, I think it was uh, one of the either not for winning. I think this was just one of the hats that we got uh, for being at the Armed Forces Bowl. Um, but Sal, back to your point, really two main points is, you know, one of the problems I have with the Pac-12 and these guys, you know, kind of copping out is one, um, you know, they kind of look at it as a lose-lose. Like they go to a bowl, they play Army, they beat Army, they're supposed to beat them. Like, no big deal. Um, but if they lose the Army, it's a huge loss to that program is how I kind of feel. And that's how I kind of looked at, you know, those teams opting out about how, oh, we just want to play. We just want to play. And then they get a chance to play um, and they say, well, we don't want to play that bad. Um, so a little kind of kind of, you know, kind of piss me off to hear teams just kind of not want to play in a bowl game. Well, that's a That's a good bowl, uh, you know, whether it's the military bowl or um, the Independence Bowl. I mean, any postseason bowl game, it's a bowl game. And then, I, two, I, you know, I immediately screenshotted that 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 article that said Tennessee out, Army in. And I, I live in I live in, you know, Fort Campbell. So I'm right there with a bunch of UT fans um, all over the place. And I just start saying it out like, hey, where's your team at? Like, what's up? You guys are you guys are weak. And they're like, we didn't deserve the game as much as Army did anyway. So team, you know, it was wow. nice to see that other people 
respect to the fact that, you know, Army did the right thing. You know, the coach and all these guys said it all year that, I mean, these guys have been on lockdown since one June. They've done the right things. They've stayed there. You know, West Point's not the most enjoyable place as a kid. It's awesome when you go back there and visit, but it's it's pretty miserable as a cadet. Um, and those guys did the right thing. And, you know, it's 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 paying off. And I don't think any any media, any any public relation wanted to get the fact that, you know, they're going to keep Army out of a bowl game <laughs> this year after going down it too. Right. Yeah, That I mean, when, when the uh... – when the founder of Barstool Sports is offering to sponsor a bowl game for Army, that I think that was enough to get it going. Yeah, you could appear on, um, you know, the Dan Patrick Show, the Rich Eisen Show, Sirius XM Radio, but I really think that, you know, when he 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 got the ball rolling, no doubt, um, with, with some national buzz on this, and uh, you know, M- Jeff Munkin did a lot of interviews. It was almost like he was on a, a media tour blitz, so to speak, uh, on Monday, but it, it worked out. So. Um, could you guys imagine spending uh, from June first to uh, now December what twenty second on post without being allowed to leave post at all? Can you imagine that? As long as the gym is open, Sal, and the chow hall is open, I think we'll be just fine. But uh, that's just speaking from a from football per, uh, perspective. But you know, being at West Point, it's a uh, it's a great experience altogether. So I know the guys got real close together. It's it's part of what you're seeing from the, from the Army Navy game, Army Air Force game. Where have you going on it's it's magical this year because they are so tight knit they've been together like brothers for the past nine months and uh they're really getting after out there on the field and, and it shows uh, in the in the display and in the uh, the war two mentality out there so i mean at the end of the day uh, six months nine months whatever it is uh it's gonna fly by as long as you're having a good time with the, with the boys yeah i think it's uh i think uh one i know i, I would probably get pretty creative on what I could do to blow off some steam as a, as a senior, uh, you know, within the, within the realm. Uh, I know all of us would be, uh, maybe we'll get some other guys on here to, to talk about what they could do, but um, yeah. I, and I think it, uh, it, it's just so, it's so perfect that we had a fourth and goal on the one stop against Navy, you know, a team that's kind of delivered their will against us in the past, right? We stopped them fourth and goal. And then we get a fourth and goal on the one, punch it in against Air Force, a team that we just, you know, just you, you just don't like. You know, we talked about that last week, Sal. So it yeah. just kind of really, really was just kind of like a perfect, you know, poetic moment for Army football this year to end with a CIC with a fourth and one on the goal line stop against Navy and a punch it in against Air Force to, to seal it. So really cool going into the bowl game. We got the momentum. Um, so we got to start, we got to learn the X's and O's against West Virginia and then take it to them. It's good. It's going to be tough. And, uh, and so just to, to go back to your question there too, you know, thinking more about the question, army, Navy, air force, they all have the same mentality. You know, we, we are used to disciplining our routine, our regiment. Uh, we have a very regimented lifestyle. We don't have a lot of distractions outside of the football or military aspect or academics aspect. I think what we're seeing now is these big teams aren't doing so well this year. Like, you look at any team across the board, they're just not performing as they have in the last year because they don't have those those distractions to keep, keep, keep them occupied. With Army, with any of the military academies, you know, we're used to that regimental lifestyle. We're used to not having a whole lot of outside distractions, and we can cope with that, and we can keep moving. I think a lot of other teams outside of the military academies are having that distraction of not being able to be distracted 
not be able to go out with your friends to a bar on the weekdays, um, not be able to skip class, not be able to do all this kind of stuff. I'm not saying they all do that. All I'm saying is that Army, Navy, Air Force, we're all kind of used to that, that typical routine of wake up, work out, eat, school, football, go back to your room, do military and, and, and homework and go to bed. So I think, I think COVID actually played a, a, a huge factor in our benefit. No doubt. And you read uh, when you're watching CBS Sports ga- Network games on Army, right? They always have like Steve Anderson's schedule for the day, you know, where, where it starts and where it finishes. Or they always feature a player like that. I don't know. The reporter in me, guys, on that fourth and one from Army before, during the timeout, I'm like, wait a second. What if this, you know, I had a little uh, skepticism about whether they would get in or not. But Steve, there was no doubt. No doubt you were go- they were going to get in, right? I mean, honestly, Sal, I just. What are we doing if we're not the premier leadership institute and not going for it on fourth and one and we don't punch it? I just think, you know, I, I hate to use the word poetic because it's kind of soft, but it just is, it exemplifies what Army football is. Like we had first and goal on the four, right? Four tries, four yards out. There's no way we're not getting this. I don't care if it was one yard, one yard, one yard, one yard. We were getting it. Um, there was no doubt in my mind. I was, <laughs> I was, uh, I was actually by myself at the Air Force game with my two boys. Uh, my boys were playing at the time, and I called them up to the room, and I made sure we shared that moment together. I made them watch it, um, and it was a really cool experience. Where it was just me and my two boys watching Army go forth and go on the one and put it in. We wrestled. I threw them all around. We jumped up and down. You know. Um, it was just a really cool experience, and I was so glad that uh, you know I got to experience it with them. No doubt, and I mean we we could we could do a game review of that. It's simple. You just knocked out the game review in, one, in pretty much a second. You know, just about what that game means, and uh, you know the the fourth and ones, and you know. But you look, Jason. Maybe you could speak on this a little bit about the offensive line during a sixteen play drive and what that's like because they had a couple freshmen on that offensive line playing at the time during that, that big game winner. And, you know, it's just that, you know, when it's a service academy game, you know, the games are pretty much, pretty much one in the trenches, right? I mean, to a point, I mean, they're one on the lines and for the army, uh, they call them the mob, right? For the mob to step up at that point in time, Jason, it had, you know, walk us through what that might've been, you know, for them. It's hard to explain what the offensive line mentality is, uh, compared to any other player on the field. Uh, you know, kudos to Jordan Law stepping up huge this, this last game as I left tackle. Uh, left tackle is not a easy easy position, and uh, he stepped up huge. But when you got a guy like Mike Johnson on the line, you know, your senior captain, left guard, coaching him through it. You know, as a left tackle freshman, having that experience, you know, it's 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 always comforting to have a leader on the team next to you. Um, but to get to your question, you know, an offensive line is only as good as as its weakest link, and everybody knows that. Um, what I noticed from, the, from this offensive line this year is they are disciplined, disciplined footwork, disciplined eyes, disciplined uh, helmet uh, location on, on the on the hip pad uh, when they're blocking, and and everyone's got their job down pat. Um, it's always comforting to see an uh, offensive lineman lift up their, their quarterback or running back off the ground too. Um, it shows that you know that brotherhood's strong in there, and and they're they're, they're rushing to the uh, to the pylon and helping their brother up. So there's no doubt in my mind they're getting to the end zone. Nothing against previous Army offensive lines, but it seems like this year, I don't know, 
the season or not, it seems like there's been less like penalties from the offensive line. There's been less false starts. There's been less holding penalties. There's not enough. I haven't. I only recall maybe one or two chop blocks the whole season. Maybe there hasn't been a lot. So you're great point under discipline, and they've been shuffling guys in. You know, Peyton Reader and JB Hunter on the right side of the line have been banged up a little bit, and sometimes like a Dean Powell or a Shane Fanukin has to step up and. Luke McCleary's bounced around from left tackle to right tackle. He's a senior who's really, this is his first year really getting playing time. So, I mean, the offensive line are always unheralded, right, Jason? I mean, you guys don't, I I remember talking to a bunch of guys, even like a Bryce Holland, Uh, Steve, you know, Bryce Holland. Well, they don't care about the headlines, you know, they just want to win. You know, they just want to win and lead the team. That's all they really care about. So, I mean, it's good to see sometimes when, the, the offensive line gets some deserving credit. It's not something that we really touched about in podcasts about that Air Force game before. So it's great to have Jason to give that perspective. Um, you guys want to talk about your bowl memories of 2010? I mean, to me as a reporter, that's one of the best games I've covered in my Army career. I mean, just to see that game, you just to go to a bowl game live. It's the only bowl game I went to live in my um, time as a reporter. And I mean, that was a amazing game, Steve. Amazing game from start to finish pretty much. You know, and uh, I don't know if you guys want to want to spend some time talking about that. Just first of all, what the experience and what that's like, and then you know the play in the game. You know, you played the home team basically. You know, you're playing the home team on the home field, and uh, you know, and that kind of gets Army started. Like you can see see Jeff Munkin's era is great and stuff like that, but you know, it was a while. That was a that was a 14 year drought for Army with no bowl with no. It's longer than that. No bowl, and then bowl wins. You got to go into the mid 80s. You know, so, I mean, man, I, I bet you those memories still st- stick pretty close to you, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I you know, it being, you know, me and Jason's senior year, um, you know, I think it made it a little extra sweet uh, for us to go out, you know, having always lost the Air Force and Navy and then kind of ending our careers with a win is, is always kind of easy to hang up the boots uh, when you do that. Um, or I should say the cleats, I guess. <laughs> I still wear boots. Yeah. Um, right. But um, yeah, I mean, we, you know, I, like we said, Sal, uh, Army travels great. And we might have been playing at SMU Stadium. Um, they might have been used to playing there, but I think we had at least half the crowd there rooting for us, which always helps. It's always nice to have uh, be Army because, you know, in Texas, you knew you were going to get a crowd, whether they were coming from Fort Sill or Fort or you know even Fort Bliss um, because you know it's the first bowl game since 1996 and uh, a chance to win since 1985. I mean those those stats are incredible when you think about what we were able to accomplish that that uh, that year. Um, plus it was just it's an awesome experience. You know we, I know I remember Coach Ellison traveled a bunch of guys so we could all experience so that next class could see what it was like. Like hey let's come back here. Um, you know and I our um, our motto that year was uh, bring it back, you know, bring winning football sure. back. Um, and, you know, we had a first winning season since 1996 um, and first bowl win since 1985. So I think we did that. Um, it was awesome. You know, Josh McNary, you know, I think it was like one of the first couple series of the game, you know, Zach Watts coming off the edge, stripping McNary up, you know, uh, scoring a touchdown, you know, defense getting on the board quick. And then, you know, uh, I just remember – um, you know, the pass, you know, the Trent Steelman yeah. to David Brooks at the end of the game, you know, after SMU used their timeouts and uh, just just knowing that that was it. Me and Coach Sadat 
hugging um, afterwards, me and Coach Schmeelin, and um, just a great feeling. Jason, you were a second lieutenant in that game, right, or no? Yeah, so that was pretty cool. Uh, Mike Gann and I were second lieutenants. I think we're the only officers ever commissioned and or cadets ever commissioned and played in the bowl game for Army. Um, but having that kind of responsibility on your shoulders saying, hey, I'm, I'm now in the Army, I'm a commissioned officer, and, and uh, you know, just, just being with the boys still and be able to play that last game was, was super special. I remember being on the field, I guess, toward the end of the year, end of the game or maybe even the celebration, and I'm um, next to Ronnie McKay. You know, I'm next to Ronnie McKay, you know, who was the you know quarterback, of course, of the 96 team. He was on the field cheering you guys on. I know he lived locally. And uh, just talking to him just briefly for a few seconds and just the pride that he had in you guys. I mean, incredible. Just an incredible feeling. And, uh, Steve, I mean, the M- you, got, you were the MVP of the game, right? Yeah, Robbie. Is that trophy? Do you is there? A, do you have that MVP trophy still, or is that in Army's possession? Where is that trophy right now? Oh, it's it's in my man cave. I, I guess I should call it a lair, man lair. It's upstairs. Uh, it's it's hanging up. I'm proud of it. Um, I think it's something cool that you know, as my boys get older, they'll see that I'm not. I wasn't always slow and and you know, beat up my whole life. You know, I did have some ability back in the day. Um, which will be, which will be nice. Um, but I, I think the, you know, one of my biggest mentors who I still talk to today is, uh, Ben Kawika and he was a linebacker for the 96 team. And he really, when I first came to West Point prep, he was my defensive coordinator and he was the captain, defensive captain of the 96 team. Um, and he really shaped my mentality of how I kind of went from, you know, how I only cared about being the best individual person I could be to really holding everybody accountable at prep school. And that's where me and um, Pat Mealy really bonded and, and Kingsley Ahe, uh, I mean, Donovan Travis, Josh McNary, all those guys that were part of that team. We all were at West Point Prep. Um, and uh, like Coach Kawika kind of went from, you know, make me you know, you try to make me the best linebacker as possible. You try to really sh- showed me how to be the best leader. Um, and it starts with, you know, one, you know, you got to know your job um, in order to hold people accountable. And that's, you know, player accountability is the biggest thing. And I know, you know, Jason was big on that on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, it, I mean, it, we, I didn't care on the defense. Like, you know, your job and you got to do your job. And I think, you know, it's, it's been 10 years Sal, since we played in that yeah. bowl game. December 30th, 2010 was, you know, our bowl game. This will be 10 years later, um, and it's good to see that there's only one way you have that kind of discipline, that kind of accountability, that kind of effort, that kind of passion, and that kind of success on a football team, and that's player accountability. Um, and, and, you know, like like uh, Jason said, the offensive line, like you're only as strong as your weakest link, and, and the defensive – you know, in the de- defensive line or defensive backfield, um, you're only strong, you know, it only takes that one mistake um, and you can get gassed. And, and we'll see it out there. With, and West Virginia is going to spread us out. They're going to try to establish a run, run play action and spread us out. Um, you know, think they can wear us down, you know, because they're bigger or whatever they think. Um, and that'll be, you know, all the games as much as, you know, as a linebacker and as running backs and quarterbacks and all the skill positions, as much as we want to believe, like, you know, we're doing the job to win the game. We know every game is one of the trenches. If you don't control the line of scrimmage, you'll lose every single game. So um, that'll be – it's going to be a key. 
um, uh, you know, New Year's Eve. No doubt. Um, just want to let everybody know if you'd like to put a comment or a question up, uh, send us your comments and questions. We'll answer them to the best of our ability here. Uh, we enjoy hearing from uh, people who are watching right now. Um, and you can also follow us on um, YouTube at Black Knight Nation. You can follow us. We have we were on Apple Podcasts now, so that's pretty cool. We're on Apple Podcasts at Black Knight Nation, and we're we're just starting to get this thing going. And uh, you know, with these. Uh, tomorrow I have a podcast. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Cole Masick. Um, he played, uh, he was in the class with um, Darnell Wolfolk and Andy Davidson at West Point. He was basically our third or fourth string fullback his sophomore year. He had a big hundred yard game against um, a Patriot League school. I'm thinking Colgate, something like that. He's now an MMA fighter. Um, so I'm going to have him on tomorrow. We're going to talk a little army football. We're going to talk a little um, MMA. We're going to talk about the band that he had with um, guys like James Nautical on campus and Chandler Ramirez. They had a band at one time, I believe, at West Point. So, I mean, there's a lot. I like to meet them. <laughs> Dude, it's a lot to unpack, man. Hey, you're welcome back on. I know you probably have better things to do tomorrow night, Steve. You don't want to make it two nights in a row, but he'll be back tomorrow, and uh, he'll be on tomorrow night. So it'll be a great interview. Cole is one of the most engaging guys. He was only there for two years, man, and I wish he was there for four because that guy, I mean, he when Trump won the election – he, we were talking about it a little bit, and he said that basically Trump won Pennsylvania because he voted for Trump, and his vote counted so much that Trump won Pennsylvania. And I wrote a quick blog about it just for the heck of it because that's the kind of guy – you know, it was different. It was something different. He was a different cat, no doubt. So we'll talk to Cole. Um, he also has his own podcast, and he also sells real estate. So, I mean, it's just everything going on with him. So we'll have him tomorrow. Enough of the plugs. Um, let's Hopefully we'll get some uh, comments and some questions. But, Jason, real quick, this um, this Army team, the leadership on the team, the senior le- leadership, Munkin's talked about that a lot. And in a situation like this with the COVID, and you just don't know from, you know, from day to day what's going to go on, especially what kind of team you have and the like. Um, can you talk about the leadership and how important that is on a team, especially, you know, at Army? And uh, what have, have you seen anything just from watching the games maybe? You, you had some good observations on the offensive line. What have you saw with the, with the leadership and how big is that for this team this year? Absolutely, Sal. The, uh, the captains that, that we had, um, you know, so at one point we were rotating captains through every game as far as like a, a game captain. I think the, the intent behind that was – was to show that every every player on the team can be a leader and, and a captain, and they're going to be at some point in the military career. You know, as soon as you commission, um, you're automatically assumed to be a leader in the army. Um, as far as our, our actual captains on the team, they were outstanding. I mean, Steve was was the all star, obviously MVP of the uh, of the uh, bowl game, and that was for a reason because he showed three main things, and it's three things that yeah, every team needs to have to be successful, in my opinion. These three tiers. First one's discipline, um, discipline feet, discipline, discipline uh, eyes, discipline uh, with the uh, snap count, and then the then the discipline to to do the do your job and do it well. Um, that's not just in the uh, on the football field. That's in the academic uh, realm at West Point. That's in the military um, tier as well. Um, just just having the discipline to to do the right thing at all times. The second the second thing there is being coachable, and and as we've seen with this year with injuries, that that next man up drill is is huge. Um, you don't know when it's going to be your, your, your time to get on the field. You don't know when it's going to be your call. And uh, having the ability to be coachable and flexible to what the, desi- what, the, what the need is for the team 
and what she can do for the team is, is huge. And I think we've seen that um, time and time again with, the, with this team this year. The last thing is, is the desire to want to uh, want to win, want to do well, want to help your, your players out, um, your teammates, your brothers, um, and get them to, that, to the end zone. Um, or it's you know as we see as we saw during the uh, the bowl game, uh, the Bell Helicopter Bowl, um, you know, ten years ago, uh, that was a defensive a fight. You know, offense is on the field far less than the defense was, but but we we all relied on each other to do our jobs, and we knew at the end of, at the end of the game that the defense really won that game for us because of, of their actions. Um, it was a physical fight, physical, physical game. Um, but at the end of the day, we, we all relied on each other to do, to do our job and, and to do it well. No doubt. Steve, I was thinking about the SMU offense at that point. They had some guys that went on to play in the NFL, didn't they, or not, did they not? Yeah, I think they're um, – I'm pretty sure they're running back. Uh, he's a big – Here's a yeah. bigger back. I think it was Richie. I think I can't. I can't remember. I think he played. Was it, Zach, was it Zach? Zach Fine? Maybe was that his name or no? Oh, yeah, I think that's what it was. Fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he played in the league for a little bit. Um, that was actually the. Uh, <laughs> that was the first game anybody had ever, uh, you know, trash talked me to a point where they told me I was going to die in Iraq next year. So that was uh, really. Yeah, that was the first time that ever happened. Um, out of all the, you know, I, you know, I played games since I was a freshman at Army. Uh, my very last game, I remember, was the special teams play. It was one of their special teams players, and I hit him pretty good. And he was on the ground. And uh, <laughs> as he, I was, I was like, you know, you like that, baby? And he just like, yeah, well, you're gonna die in Iraq next year. And I was like, damn, wow, oh, that was uh, kind of kind of hit me right in the feels, kind <laughs> of the wind out of me, but. Uh, but, um, yeah, the running back was really good. Um, they had a wide receiver. I think their wide receiver got offensive play of the game. I think he had about 100 yards. Against us. Um, the quarterback wasn't bad. I knew he um, – I believe they, they actually um, were swapping quarterbacks because we, we, we dinged up the first string up a little bit. But I was you, able to you – know, You know what's crazy? I just looked on their roster, and they have multiple NFL guys that are on their roster. Cole Beasley was in that game. He plays for the Bills now, right? The former Cowboys receiver. You played against Cole Beasley that game. Um, who else did you play against? You played against Eldrick Robinson, who was a wide receiver who had a pretty decent career. Um, Kelvin Beecham is now a starting tackle for the Arizona Cardinals. I know that because I'm a fan of the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Chris Banjo's a safety for the Arizona Cardinals, too. There's like eight guys that played in the NFL on that SMU team. It's, it, it's crazy. We had two, Josh McNary and uh, Ali. <laughs> that's that's true. That's true, man. I guess Ali so. didn't play in that game. I guess Ali was gone. Oh no, one. Yeah, Josh. Yeah, Josh. Yeah. I mean, crazy. Eight eight to one or whatever you have you in the army prevails anyway. So you know, I don't know. It's just pretty. It's just pretty. I, do you ever think about that, or even you, Jason? The guys that you played that are that are now that played in the NFL, or you know, are still playing in the NFL. I just remember. I think the the biggest moment for me was when I went to the center, uh, when I went to the coin toss against Notre Dame and I shook Michael Floyd's hands and they were the biggest hands I'd ever shaken in my entire life. And then I shook Harrison Smith's hands or the safety for the Vikings. I believe he still plays and remember shaking his hand and be like, these guys are different breeds. And I'm standing, you know, and I'm standing there, you know, next to some pretty big guys, but Michael Floyd still this day, Biggest hands, biggest man I've ever shook hands with uh, on the 
on the 50 yard line. And it was, uh, that's really the only time where I was like, damn, that's a, that's a big guy. Yeah. We, uh, you know, looking back, you always reflect back on the guys you played with and played against. Um, I think my, my best memory, I've got a lot of memories, not, not a lot of, not a lot of them great, but you know, um, majority of them pretty good. Uh, my the best memory I have is is when I cut Montateo uh, in that in that Notre Dame game and beat uh, up. But then looking over, he got up so quick and made the tackle like twenty yards later downfield. I was just like, my gosh! Um, some of those guys were different breeds, like Steve said. But uh, you know, there were some great players we played against. But at the end of the day. I think our team as a whole was was a tighter knit team and a better team for it um, for what we've done um, in our careers. Yeah, Manti Teo was. I mean, as a college linebacker, I mean that, and maybe it didn't translate, uh, maybe in the NFL, but he was a, a fantastic college linebacker. Um, since we call this, uh, we're calling this podcast old grads, right? So, uh, Steve, we know we know you're you're at Fort Campbell right now, um, Jason. Uh, are you still in the military, or what? What was your path after West Point? Yeah, I'm still in the military. I'm uh, I'm in the uh, I'm a commander down in Hunter Army Airfield in Savannah, Georgia. So, um, it'll be it's I'm actually ten years in the army as of last week. So, wow. it was a big uh, big celebration. Um, not really, but anyways, yeah, I'll stay in the army for a little bit longer. What what kind of what, what kind of kept you in? You know, because you know you had the five years that you have to do. But what kind of kept you in? Would you say? You know, it's funny you ask the question. Um, I get asked the question a lot. Why did you join the military? Uh, to that question, I answer: I didn't know anything about the military until West Point. I went to West Point to play football. It wasn't until about senior year, junior year, where I was like, okay, I can I can kind of make a career out of this thing. Uh, really enjoy it. And what I found was what I enjoyed most was the camaraderie of the guys, um, guys and gals with the like, like-minded uh, mindset to where you want to be the best you can be at your job, your profession, um, and you want to do it well and you want to support the people next to you. So um, that kind of carried me through my career so far in the last 10 years is what I want to do is I want to be with like-minded, like-minded individuals who are willing to serve and sacrifice and, at the end of the day, uh, help help their brother and sister to left and right. No doubt, no doubt. Steve, you um, did you was there NFL possibilities for you or or, or no? I'm trying to remember. Uh, I had a short stint where um, I went to a <clears throat> NFL regional combine. Um, did pretty well. I got a couple calls, um, and it basically came down to uh, you know, my wife was you know, pregnant at the time and I had to make the decision if I was going to go chase this dream or, or stay in one of my biggest mentors, uh, Colonel Gene Polka, uh, retired. Now he was the head OR of our team and really was my, you know, when I couldn't call my dad, um, he was the man that gave me all the advice in the world, the military advice in the world, uh, that I could ever ask for. And he basically told me, Steve, you know, one, it's a, it's an easy transition from being a football player to an infantryman. All right. It's just, you have a different, instead of winning on Saturday, you know, you just have to win every day with your team. Instead of working out with the football team, you're working out with your platoon company, whatever it is, um, whatever, you know, instead of getting, you know, ready for, you know, this team, you're practicing battle drills uh, or, or you're doing anything. Like that. So the transition is super easy. You're, 
you're still part of a team that wants to get physically better every day while mastering your craft. So really, um, but he was like, just stay in it, stay in uh, until you don't like it anymore. Um, and, you know, so far, um, you know, I like Jason, I hit 10 years uh, this December because my prep school year counted as a as a uh, as one year of active duty. So I hit 10 years um, on the 30th, actually. And um, yeah, it'll be, uh, you know, I'm going to stay in until I don't like it anymore. Uh, I got some. I feel like I have some dark years ahead of me as a, as a field grade, just grinding on staff again. Uh, but uh, I know that I enjoy being a part of the team, being a part of something, you know, bigger than myself. No doubt. No doubt. Just, just incredible because some people, you know, like, I think, I don't know if the programs change much. Like Jason, you said you came to play football, right? And then you learned a little bit more about the military. How, how much do you think that is the, the, the not a percentage, but, the story of a lot of these guys, because even like during recruiting and the kids that are committing now in um, 20 to the 2021 class, I'll ask them and they're like, well, the first time I heard was when army started recruiting me, you know, heard about West point, but then some of them have a lineage where their fathers or relatives did go to academy. So um, what, what do you think? What do you think that you think that's the, you think you're the norm or do you think you were the norm or now? I think there's a certain population of guys who, haven't heard of West Point or military academies um, prior to going there, but deep down inside, I think everyone who goes to West Point, whether they're an athlete or an academic, or you know, they have they have ambitions to be a senator one day or whatever the case may be. But they have this this inside ambition, or in, I'm sorry, they have this inside kind of uh, the ideology that they have to serve in some way, shape, or form. And uh, you know, as soon as you get to the West Point, as soon as you get to any military academy, I think it really comes out of you. It gives you the the ability to be a leader, put you in leadership leadership positions, and gives you opportunity to uh, to learn real quick, and then um, do better than than the peers you left back in high school. Uh, if if I were to go back any summer um, between plebe, yuck, cow, uh, first of the year, I'd see my friends and see what they were doing, and I was just taken aback and kind of had had that ability to self reflect on what I was doing, and it was meaningful to me. Uh, and it's also going to be meaningful in the future. So, um, you know, whether whether or not they go there with that uh, preconceived notion that, hey, I, I want to be a general one day um, or just, hey, I, I want to lead troops in, in, in combat. Um, once you get there, it's because you automatically realize that what you're doing has meaning and, and it's going to be meaningful to you and to the people you serve with. Yeah, I think that, it's important, you know, very few people in the world do anything that they think they're going to do at 18 years old. Um, and that's what they end up doing uh, when they grow up. Uh, and so I think it's important to, you know, and I think uh, this is where Coach Ellerson missed the, the recruiting piece a little bit where it, you, you don't need general officers in high school to commit to West Point to play football. Um, you just need guys that are good dudes um, that want to, make a program better and get to learn, meet a whole bunch of new people all across uh, the nation. And I think it's important that we tell these guys, look, no serious commitment until your junior year, man. Like come try it out. Look, there's going to be some dark days. It's going to be rough. But when you come see the facilities, when you come see you and you play on Saturdays, when you meet the guys that are almost exactly like you in the up here and in here, um, you know, we, we hope that you stay. And I know for a fact, I didn't, I went to the prep school 
because it wasn't a year of eligibility against me. I went to the prep school because it was one of the prep schools that accepted me. I didn't have to start my year of eligibility. I could keep my full eligibility to, to transfer or go play for UMass or a 1AA or, or UConn, whoever was who was calling me from, you know, when I was at prep school. Um, but it was the guys. It was Josh McNary, Donovan Travis, Pat Mealy, you know, um, Richard King. Um, it was all those guys I went to prep school with. And then guys like I met, like Jason, um, you know, Thayer, um, the, the linebackers, Brad Marin, those guys that kept me at this point. I was like, you know what? I, you know, it's not, you know, it's not that bad. Look, I had my fair share of hiccups at the academy now. Like I could have, I could have left a couple times when I, when I got my feet to the fire. Um, but it was those guys um, and the advice of my dad um, that really kept me there for as long as it did. And then eventually it was like, oh, I, I'm a captain of the football team. I guess, uh, I guess I am here to stay. And then, um, so I think it's important that when we recruit these young kids, we know that, you know, hey, do you want to be a general officer? Oh, it's okay. Like, do you want to play football yeah. to the best of your ability for the next two years and see where this academy takes you? Yes, yes, sir. Yes, coach, I do. All right, come join the team. Uh, we'll get you right. It's crazy now because it's a little bit different because I think the numbers, like sometimes you see Munkin's recruiting classes, there's like 90 kids in the recruiting class. It's in upwards of 75 guys, a recruiting class. So it's almost like every spring or every preseason, you're trying out for your position. If you're a starter, you're pretty cemented. But those guys that aren't, you know, um, they really have to earn it. They have to work like a Radigan had to work his way up, you know, and you look at what he, John Radigan's done this year is incredible. I mean, from his sophomore year on, he had to work his way up. And you're just trying to stay on the scout team sometimes, Jason. It's it, it's crazy with the numbers. Like, you know, I thought Co Co Coach Munkin quoted Air Force as having 240 players this year <laughs> available to him. That's that's nuts. I mean, considering what is it scholarships 85 or in that neighborhood? And uh, wow, I mean, it, it's just uh, it, Army, uh, no doubt, makes you like it, it can, West Point can humble you on the football field as well as in the academic and also the, the, the cadet part of it, no doubt. Right. Absolutely. The, uh, it's, it's interesting too. the, the guys we played with, um, I know from my year, the guys like George Fletcher, Steve, um, you know, all these guys, uh, who, who were successful on the, on the, the football field are, are now successful in the army and, and what they've done later on. So, um, you know, to Steve's point, just, talking to the young guys early on saying, Hey, come to the team, come to the Academy, try it out for a year or two. If you don't like it, that's, that's okay. Like maybe it's not for you. It's not for everyone. Uh, but if you enjoy it and you want to compete and you want to be um, a go-getter, a team player, part of the brotherhood, you know, stay. Um, and so when you have, when you have freshman teams that are, you know, I think my, in 2006, I think we had 110, 115 guys on the freshman team. It was like, okay, I'm here to compete. And I'm here to here to learn, and I'm here to grow, and, and that's exactly what we did in that first year. Was every day was it was a competition, and it and it, it got us better. Um, without competition, it's you know it's a lackluster performance. So um, I, I was super lucky and super fortunate to have the opportunity to to play in a couple of games my freshman year. Um, but ultimately, that comes down to the coach's trust in, in players and and their ability to to, to perform. Yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead. Straight up, Sal. When I was being recruited. Uh, from West Point, I was I was told I would not have to do anything militarily. I would just go there to play football. 
and I would graduate making a hundred thousand dollars a year. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm glad they told me that because it got me there. It got my foot in the door. Um, really real recruiting one-on-one right there. Tell, tell the guy that what he wants to hear, but I'm glad they did it because I would have never, you know, if I would have known, you know, what I knew after a year at the Academy or a year at prep school, like, I don't know if I would have, I would have chose that right away. Um, so I, I think to just, uh, dovetail off of what Jason said, like it's really important that these seniors and juniors and sophomores actually tell these guys what they're getting into because, you know, it's not all, you know, you know, whatever that saying is unicorns and butterflies or whatever, but it's, it's a lot better than, you know, a lot of people make it out to be on in the outside world. So um, yeah. I'm just grateful. I had guys like Jason. I had guys like Ali. I had guys like, you know, chat, um, Chuck Eason and Frank Scapatici and, uh, you know, Plumstead, wow, other yeah. actors that really took me under their wing as a freshman. Um, that kind of showed me that, look, man, it's not that bad here. Just quit, quit stepping on your own toe a little bit and, and give the place a real shot and you'll, you'll have a good time. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of talk about the linebackers that Army's had during the Munkin era. You go from Andrew King, Jeremy Tenth, you know, Nautical, Christensen, now, you know, Radigan and Eric Smith. But back then, Steve, I mean, you had some pretty good ones that you played with that were before you, that you played with, and even after you. I mean, I look at, you know, after you, what? It was um, Erzinger played. You played with Erzinger, obviously, and, you, and there was uh, Andrew Rodriguez, too. I mean, linebacker has always been a pretty solid position in the program since I've been covering at least, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, we had we, – we were the Shinebackers. You know, that was our name for a long time. So, we, we try to own that. Nice. Um, real quick, we'll, we'll, this is the last thing we'll touch on. Just talk about the 2010 team and the guys that made up the 2010 team, both of you guys. I mean, you, ha you talk about guys that, you know, the Brad Marins of the world. I think of a, a market, a Marcus Hilton. I can remember, you know, you think of a Mike Gann, you know, on offense, of course you, we talked about Steelman. I think Jared Hassan was kind of the, one of the top backs when you're in that 2010 season. And, um, you know, it's just, a, it seems like it was a collective group of guys. Yeah. You had some guys that maybe shine more than others, but when it, when it, came down to it you guys were were fully in fully invested in each other in the team it seemed like yeah i'll cover i'll cover the defensive side of the ball um jason you can hit the offense but i mean yeah we had mike gann josh mcnary zach watts was making a play andrew rodriguez was uh was recovering from an injury but we had him uh, for the year steve erzinger you know we had donnie dixon um donovan travis jordan trimble richard king you know, I would say probably, you know, Marcus Hilton, obviously. I'd say, um, you know, I think seven out of the 11 starters were all prepster guys that we all played at prep school together. Um, wow. So we, we've been playing a long time together, and that was kind of the core group um, on defense. And, of course, um, you know, you had to have your guys that spell. You know, I had Kingsley, you know, spell me when I was, you know, when I was – I couldn't, you know, play at my top capability. Um, and all those guys that came in um, after that. But, yeah, I mean – I mean, we had been together since 2006. I mean, four strong years of playing football together with that core group of defense. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was it was either do your job um, or, or we're going to let you know about it because nobody was too big to, to be held accountable that year because everybody remembers what we were all like at 18 years old trying to figure out what, uh, what we were going to do with our lives at Army. Hey, talk about accountability, Steve. 
I, you know, part of me, look, I, I reflect back and think, man, I was a huge a-hole for a lot, a lot of time. But a lot of it, you know, I had to be. Um, I think a lot of the guys had to be because sometimes you just get run down and you have a, you have an off day. But um, part of you know being an a-hole, you have, at the end of the day, you go back to the to the guy you're talking to and 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 trying to coach him up, and and then you go back to him and say, hey, you doing okay, man? Like, how's your day going? What do you need help with? Like, let's look at some film. Let's look at some some things we did we did wrong today and how we, how we can improve on those things. So that that brotherhood, that team mentality, um, especially in 2010. The seniors we had, holy cow, we had a great group of guys. Uh, sort of Zach Peterson at center. I mean, the powerhouse. Um, Seth Reed, left guard, right guard. He was all over the place. But at the end of the day, he was probably the one guy who's, who's, who kept the offensive line together like Drew. He's Mersey on their side. He's been a constant communicator of, of the alumni now, just trying to keep all the boys together, keep that brotherhood alive. He's doing podcasts just like you are now, Sal, trying to keep the brotherhood going. Um, I was playing the other side. You got Pat Mealy in the backfield along with George Fletcher. And, and Jared Hassan, he was healthy. He was, he was a rock star too. But at the same time, like everyone worked together. Everyone held, held each other accountable. Um, and if you look, look, look at it now, I'm pretty certain – that every guy mentioned is still serving in the military. If not, then he just recently got out. Well, that's kind of a, a token or a testament to, to the kind of group of guys we had as leaders, wanting to always serve and, and serve alongside like-minded individuals. Yeah, no, I have one more quick oh, – go ahead, Steve. Go ahead. I got one more person that has to be mentioned, and it's because he has been a constant mentor in my life, is uh, now Colonel Adisa King. He was – New to the – not new, but he was back at Army for this first year during this football season major, as Major Adisa King. And one of the first things he brought me in to talk to me about was accountability. You know, who you hold accountable Look, If I catch someone messing up, I'm coming to you to ask you why you're not holding people accountable. Um, so hold the brotherhood accountable. It's much better if a brother tracks you than someone outside the family. If the family's trying to fix you, if another cadet's trying to fix you, another teacher's trying to fix you, and there's a brother that let it happen, you're failing. He brought that to you know this team. You know that's something that I, I still try to do as much as possible within my company, within the platoons. But I try to teach these young officers. Like, don't let anybody come into your family and correct you. Like, you hold everybody accountable. You'll be a successful unit. Nobody's going to be that hearing hole because at the end of the day, they're saving you from getting getting corrected by guys like me, who's going to make it a problem. Uh, if no doubt. Well said. Uh, just my last quick question was a quirky question. Who had the best nickname on the 2010 Army football team? I think Steve might claim that nickname, but we'll see. Uh, well, Jason, we'll go with you first. I don't know. I, I had a pretty good nickname. Uh, it, was, it was Gypsy. Uh, I can't really tell that story for a couple of reasons, but at the same time, it was a pretty good nickname. It's stuck with me ever since. Even guys today are George Fletcher. I work with him on a daily basis, and he'll walk around the company area or the town area and be like, yo, Gypsy. And, and, and not a single person is like, oh, I know that guy. It's, everyone's like, who the hell is Gypsy? But Fletch knows. I know. Um, I don't know. There's there's a lot of great nicknames. Um, 
I'll, you have to come back to me in this one, and, and so I can tell you the appropriate one. But Steve, you go ahead first. So I got uh, uh, Gypsy is obviously a favorite, um, but I think one guy who I, you know, it's funny, you know, Jason says that because it happens to me too. I'll be walking around with my guys, and someone will be like, "Fitty," everybody <laughs> be like, "Who's Fitty?" And I'm like, "That's that's me." I'll fit. just what's up, guys. Like, but um, I really like um, Zach Peterson, the truth. His nickname is Zip the Truth Peterson. Um, and I still – I cannot help, but when I see him, he's he's uh, forward right now. Um, but me and him are neighbors. We live right next to each other. Um, but, I, you know, the truth. Because <laughs> that's, that's, Zach is – you know, Zach's like Jason now where Jason actually started – Slimming a little sooner. I mean, I think Jason played about 265 uh, his senior year. But, you know, Zach is, you know, he played about 285, 290. And uh, he's at like 215 now. You know, I work with Ryan Powis. Ryan Powis is a commander in the same battalion as me. Another guy who played at 290. He's about 220 now. Bryce Holland just got his Ranger tab, was the best officer graduate at Ranger School. Just got his EIB. He played about 310. You know, he's 225, 230 now. Like, these guys are Crazy. incredible at how, how much weight they just shred after after football season. It's, it is crazy. I mean, I, I looked at – you know who, who – a guy I looked at, too, back a couple of years ago, Momo Kine. Momo Kine was a big guy. And then within, like, a couple months, like, say the spring after the football season, I'm like, holy cow. It was, like, almost like a, a, a 25 to 30-pound difference in him and the – I mean, I guess that prepares you for the military and the, I guess the um, the physical fitness test too that uh, guys have to pass, right, to, to get past West Point and stuff. Yeah, so from an offensive line perspective, like the majority of the guys are pushing three bills. And uh, that offseason, after their, their last season, um, it's, it's astonishing to see what they look like from January 1st up until June 1st. Uh, just the amount of weight that's shed, it's it's amazing. And like Steve said, I, I graduated December seventeenth, uh, so uh, I had to cut a little bit of weight from two eighty five down two sixty five. Um, my fighting weight is about two sixty five, and then when I graduated with the Ibolic about two and a half months later, I had to report at two fifteen, two twenty five. So you know, wow. forty pounds in two months is tough, but uh, they're all programs set up. And I think Scott Swanson, nickname AKA Satan, probably the best nickname, the one that stuck with him for twenty years. Uh, that's um, true. That's a good one. It is a good one. He uh, he's got a great regiment for guys to lose weight, and he knows how to do it. Um, was that was that his motorcycle outside the the weight room, or was that his? Or that is his motorcycle. He rode rode up to the gym every day and showcased that thing. Oh, great. Uh, I think I think it was, was it West Coast Customs. No, OC Riders. Who was it made that that bike for him? Oh, Orange Co- a- not Orange County Choppers. Yeah, it was Orange County Choppers. Wow. Yeah, choppers. Yeah, they're, they're right out of the. Uh, they were in Poughkeepsie. I don't know where they were, but they're yeah, like they're right Montgomery, New York, about half an hour from West Point, maybe half an hour, forty-five minutes. Yeah, wow, that's man. I never got to that story. Now I got to the story about Satan and the and the bike and the. Uh, I mean, he's a. I I remember seeing him around. He program a lot. Obviously, now they have different. You know, they have a guy who's completely in charge. He was he completely in charge of the football program, weight, uh, strength and conditioning wise. What you guys are now. We had a couple of guys in yeah. the uh, gym. I think uh, we had we had Brett Gersh for a while. I think yeah. Scott was was the yeah. guy. Uh, Gabe yeah, Gabe Harrington was who was there. He was basically the. So I think I think 
um, Satan was passing the reins to Gabe when we were freshmen, Jason. I think when you were a freshman or when I was a freshman, that was right when Satan was, you know, got the bump to be in the, the head of Division One sports. Um, okay, but still yeah. very, very much um, into football specifically. Um, and then by the time I left, I mean, he was, uh, you know, he was the head guy at, at West Point for anything physical. I mean, if you wanted a program, you know, he was the program guy that he went through. And we had Brett Gurch, um, who was our strength coach, um, you know, really just owned the football program. But, you know, it, it was not hard to get Satan's attention, you know, get Coach Schwanker's attention. If you wanted to yeah. ask him about football specific, he'd, yeah, yeah, what do you need? Like, he'd, he'd definitely stop what he was doing to help you out. Yeah. It, it, I got it, Jason. The unsung hero of the entire uh, core squad and even football team is is TK Tim Kelly man that guy I still see him on the on the games like running up to the field just jogging same joggers he's had on for the past ten years that guy's a, a phenom he's he's the uh, you know strength conditioner the uh, sorry the trainer, right? yeah yeah the trainer physical therapist and everything under that that realm um, he will. He will put you on stem and ice, and put you in the ice bath, and put you through exercises, and and get you back. I know Steve and I both shared our our uh, fair share of, of injuries. I think I had four surgeries at, at the academy. So you know that wow. guy, that guy was like my step uncle who who knew everything about me. You know, lots of great memories today, guys. I really appreciate you coming on. I mean, especially it's pretty timely with the bowl, it's bowl season now, right? And so to talk about those 2010 memories and your time at West Point and your time, you know, as, as now officers that 10 years goes by way fast. I mean, I remember like yesterday being at like at SMU's field and why am I forgetting what the field was called, but at SMU's field and you guys celebrating that big win. And it's just like, it's a great memory for me. I'm sure it's a great memory for you and the, I appreciate you guys popping on. This was Steve. This was our for, first edition of Old Grads. So yeah, first edition, and really, all I want for Christmas, Sal, is a bowl game win. All right, beat West Virginia. Yeah, we'll throw, we'll throw something in here, Sal, real quick. Since we are doing this kind of form for Old Grads, there's an Army football alumni group on Facebook for all former Army football players. It's a support group. It's if you ever need help with anything, I mean anything personal emotional, you know, you need somebody to come help you move, need a good recommendation for a restaurant, tailgating tickets, Army Football Alumni on Facebook. That's the go-to spot for anyone who needs any kind of support or just wants to be tied into the brotherhood. That's awesome. I appreciate you sharing that, Jason. We'll wrap up this edition of the uh, Black Knight Nation podcast. You can follow us on uh, Twitter. You can follow us on uh, you can follow us on YouTube, Black Knight Nation, and you can follow us on, you see at the bottom of the screen there, we have all the stuff uh, coming up with Twitters, and now we're on uh, Apple uh, Apple Podcasts too. Guys, really appreciate your time tonight, and we'll look forward to talking to you guys soon. All right, Thanks, be well, Virginia.